One of the things that I talk about when I speak at podcasting conferences is the value of live streaming for podcasters who want to grow their audience. One of the ways they can do that is by just going live to talk about their most recent podcast, what they learned, interact with their audience. Uh, other ways are to provide some access to subscribers and people who might will be interested in their podcast. Some people monetize through premium groups and they do Zoom live streams. But to me, the most effective way to use live streaming for a podcast is to actually live stream the podcast recording. And in addition to that, I always encourage people to use video on their podcast, even though it's an audio podcast, the video makes for great clips for repurposing that are scroll stoppers on social media as you're trying to raise interest in an episode and raise interest in your podcast and let people know about it and build your brand. There's a power to that visual aspect of video and it stands out on platforms like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. So I'm a big believer in, in, in podcasters live streaming to grow their podcast, to reach new audiences, to get more ears on their podcast, even if eyes come along with those ears. And, and this is what we're going to talk about with Christoph Trapp. I'm, I'm so excited that he's writing a book on this topic because I think this is one area where many podcasters could see a massive improvement in how they go about growing their audience, gaining more subscribers, gaining more downloads, gaining views, and selling more products and services and growing their business. It's all... It's all possible, and live streaming is such a powerful way to do that. Uh, but it's tough to get people to turn that video camera on. I always say, just start by turning the camera on while you're recording. You don't even have to go live the first time. But just turn the camera on, let it roll, record, and see what it feels like to find a clip where you said something really impactful, and you share that clip on social media and you see how people react to it. Then as you get used to that, perhaps going live becomes something that you'll be comfortable doing eventually. The first few times it might be scary, but we see a lot of podcasters. One of the things from, from talking to people at, at podcast conferences a year ago, two years ago, they all were interested in going live. They were all a little bit uneasy about the technology, about how they would bring on their guests and record it. And of course, StreamYard makes it so easy to bring on your guests. And when they learned about what they could do with StreamYard, a lot of those podcasters are now recording their podcast live. They're live streaming their podcast recording session. Some of them, many of them, not only have gotten good results out of it and reached new audiences, but they actually enjoy the experience. And they enjoy the experience of live streaming and interacting with an audience. Perhaps while they're recording the, the heart of their podcast, they may do it completely podcast style. But 
oftentimes they do a, a pre-show or a post-show in which they have that interaction with their audience, and it's it definitely takes it to another level in terms of reaching out to people, in terms of your interaction and your engagement, but also it's a lot of fun for a lot of people. So I know we have a lot of podcasters who are part of the StreamYard community. If, if you are a podcaster, do you record your podcast live? Why do you record it live? Why don't you record it live if you have a podcast and you also live stream? Is there a good reason? And I, I know there are good reasons why someone might not actually live stream their podcast. But Christoph Trapp makes a, a great case for live streaming your podcast. His new book's called Going Live. We're going to talk to him in just a few minutes. It's an honor to have him here. He's been a real presence on social media that I've, I've followed for years. And he's also someone who's uh, big on brand storytelling and brand journalism and content creation, one of the top content marketers in the world. Looking forward to talking to him in just a few minutes. As you see him right there, that is Mr. Christoph Trapp. And we've got a couple more episodes left this season. I'm also thrilled to tell you we're going to be doing another season right after this one. Uh, it's just going to keep rolling week after week. And we we have next week, we have Mr. Shamir joining us, the, co the founder of Simon Says. It's an AI transcription company. But he's got a new product within that company. And that new product allows you to edit not just by moving around video clips, but moving around text to realign where your video goes. And so that's a way to simplify and speed up the editing process. I, I don't know a ton about it, but next week I can't wait to learn about it. I'm very excited about what this means. Text-based video editing. You edit the text, and in the process it edits and moves around the video. So we'll, we'll talk to Shamir next week and find out what's going on with that. And then also you may have heard of a rapper named Ja Rule. He's also a tech CEO. He's got an app called Icon. It's, he's looking to also uh, develop an Icon Live app. And so he'll be here to talk about what he's doing on the tech side. And we'll also talk a little bit about his life in the music industry as well. So those are the next two episodes. Definitely stay tuned. And then we'll move into a whole new season the following week. Also, you know, I do these predictions every year. We're up to the sixth annual Livestream Universe predictions. This year, uh, instead of people submitting them only by text, usually two, three, maybe four or five sentences, we had an entire event. We had a, a fifth anniversary celebration for Livestream Universe, and we had about 60 guests come on, and each of them delivered a prediction, and then some other people who couldn't make it to the live event sent in their prediction. So it's going to be a little different. There's a video. You can watch them live. But there's also predictions are a lot longer this year. And the blog post also has not only transcribed the predictions and cleaned it up a little bit for readability, uh, but you're going to find uh, some of the banter and some of the the fun conversation, some of some memories of things that have gone on in live streaming going back 
uh, since the beginning. If you're wondering why, it almost doesn't make sense, right? So you have your fifth anniversary party and your sixth annual live stream universe predictions. Well, the reason why that is, is I started live stream universe in October. And so by December, uh, I was I was working on producing the very first uh, edition of Livestream Universe Predictions. So that's why following the fifth anniversary, we have the predictions. A little later this year, but we have them. I, uh, I broke my shoulder, as I mentioned last week. So instead of them coming out in January, I've been mostly offline the last two months. So they are here. You also see a bunch of brands on there. If you go to the blog post, just go to LivestreamUniverse.com. You can, you can click through that image and go to the blog post. You can also check out all the different brands that came together, 13,000 plus in prizes and giveaways from all these great industry brands, including StreamYard. So thanks to everybody who participated in, in this great event. I hope you enjoy the blog post and you'll see a lot of our, our familiar guests are in there. Um, and the industry news, NBC is looking to expand its live streaming news product. It's called NBC News Now. It's a streaming product. What's interesting about this, when people talk about streaming, you always hear about streaming, right? A lot of people are talking about Netflix-style streaming. What they're talking about is streaming recorded content. What we're doing with StreamYard, although some people record on StreamYard and use it in other productions, and that's certainly a valid way to use the product, most of us who use StreamYard go live. So this is actually a live streaming network that is delivered on a variety of um, different platforms. Let me see if I have... Have that here. Here we go. So you could watch it on Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, iOS, Android on your phones and tablets, and on Peacock, which is the NBC streaming network. So the demand is there not only as it's been for a while for streaming content, uh, but the demand is there for live streaming content. And so that's uh, that's worth noting. Also, uh, gaming live streaming. We don't talk a lot about that. The focus of the show is certainly on talk live streaming, but it's always worth following the trends on gaming. A lot of those trends leak into the talk side, a lot of the ways to monetize and, and uh, different features also make that move. And Venture Beat article talks about a new zoo survey of uh, live streaming audience growth for gaming and esports, and it's been growing about 12%, 11%, 10% every year, and it's projected to grow another 10% this year. So by the end of this year, uh, from the beginning to the end of this year, expect to see 728, 729 million viewers watching esports and gaming on live stream platforms, and that's expected to grow to over 900 million by 2024. And that brings us to another survey done by a company called Juniper Research. It's an esports and game streaming survey looking at uh, emerging opportunities and market forecasts for 2021 to 2025. 
And with all that energy and all those people watching and sponsors coming in, they are predicting that esports and game streaming will be worth $3.6 billion globally by 2025. I think I $3.6 billion <laughs> as sponsorship drives future growth. So another area that live streaming is exploding. Not going to go into this too deep, but uh, Sports Video Group had an article on the Iditaro. Uh, it's a it's a dog race, a sled dog sledding race. I don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, I, I was a sportscaster for a while, and a co-host of mine ended up taking a job in Alaska at a TV station there, and he ended up covering the event, so... Uh, if anybody's really interested, maybe we could do a segment on that. But the point of this from a video production perspective is on video productions all around the world, there have been different protocols put into place due to COVID. And the Iditaro race is no exception. So here you have some footage of uh, the dogs and the sled <laughs> racing. And the camera here is capturing on-air talent and an interview, and you've got uh, it all set up to capture that video out in the field. And then it goes to someone's apartment in New York City. And <laughs> that's where the video comes to, and that's where uh, it's all being directed and produced. You have equipment this year where they can ingest video from different sources right in the apartment and then you have the different feeds and the producer is choosing which feeds to to show and how the presentation comes together of the race of course it's a, a lot more sophisticated than that but just an overview of a, a different workflow given covid as well as given the ability to deliver video high quality very high quality video over cellular and over the internet is a game changer because it makes it easy for it easier shouldn't say easy but it's easier to send that video you don't need trucks to send out there and satellites and you can send very high quality video to be ingested at a tv station or a production setup in this case, in someone's apartment in New York City. Also, uh, the artist Adam Ezra has been going live for 365 days. We've talked a lot about how the music business has gotten uh, really live streaming saved a lot of artists uh, because of their inability to have concerts or promote albums or just... Uh, have that interaction with their fans that they're used to having from stage to the crowd. Now it's a lot of them are doing everything from free live streams to paid live streams. And Adam Ezra has been live streaming 365 days during the pandemic. He says, I've constantly been wanting to share new material with our gatherers, especially the ones who are online every single night. There's really been a great process behind it and uh, we had some great guests last week we had our quiet influence panel talking about introverts and social media don't forget three of the four of us from that panel Matthew Pollard Nancy Ankowitz and myself will be speaking at the quietly influential summit March 15th to 19th 
You can get a free pass to attend at LivestreamUniverse.com slash Introvert2021. LivestreamUniverse.com slash Introvert2021. And we've got some, some great clips coming up after our interview with Christoph Trapp. In the remix, we'll hear from Matthew Pollard talking about the pros and cons of Clubhouse. Uh, Nancy talks about professional bio and the keys. Really breaks it down to make it seem so simple to write a high quality bio we'll also hear from our other panelist valerie morris as well this is Streamyard connect i'm ross brand welcome so good to have you here if you're not yet using Streamyard, you can get started today you can host your show and go live livestreamuniverse.com slash streamyard livestreamuniverse.com slash streamyard and with that let's get to our guest christoph trapp is the author of a brand new book called Going Live, Live Stream Your Podcast to Reach More People. He's also a podcaster. Guess what? He live streams his podcast. It's the Business Storytelling Podcast. It's one of 50 podcasts by thought leaders to listen to in 2021. He's also a top 14 content marketer, a top 100 digital marketer. His podcast and his Content output has been on all different types of top lists. He runs the website AuthenticStorytelling.net, and he's an author now of four books. It's great to welcome, as I bring his video up, there he is, Christoph Trapp. Great to meet you, and uh, it's first actually first time we're talking, but <laughs> I love the topic. I love the book. Welcome to StreamYard Connect. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, first time we're talking voice to voice, so to speak, I guess. Yeah, we've been uh, kind of watching what each other have been doing on, on social media over the years. And, you know, I've always respected the content that you put out there. Why? I talked about it a little bit in the open. Let's get right to it. Why is live streaming your podcast so powerful? Well, first of all, you can reach more people. That's, I think, yeah. the biggest thing. And and you can really maximize your production. And I think that's so important, Russ, to think about that today. And, uh, you know, especially right now where we're seeing, I think it's fair to say, an explosion of podcasts. B2B companies are looking into it or they're doing it and they put all this time in it. And then guess what? They got 20 downloads, which is actually pretty good if you <laughs> first start. And, but they don't see it that way, right? So what I'm saying is live stream it to all the channels you spend years on building, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever it might be, uh, Amazon Live, I guess. That's a newer channel. But you know, stream it to all those different channels to really get the most out of your content. That's, that is by far the biggest reason. Well, it sounds so logical. So what is the big <laughs> hurdle for people that there a lot of podcasters don't want to use video and the idea of live streaming is just a complication they've settled into their workflow of scripting maybe or recording and then doing vigorous editing before anybody gets to see a taste of it what are you finding is is the biggest hurdle that you you see people encounter in wanting or not wanting to to go live with their podcast. Well, what you just mentioned, that's kind of it right there. But the, but what happens is when you do a live stream, you take away the power of the edit, right? Or mm. depending on your perspective, the annoyance of the edit. Because some of the stuff people edit out, it doesn't need to be edited out. I mean, seriously, like 
you know, my hair wasn't perfect today. Who cares? Like it looks, <laughs> it looks how it looks, you know? And so just know what you want to talk about, know what you shouldn't talk about if you're speaking on your company's behalf and have a little bit of an outline. It's okay to have some scripted, like the intro. Why can't that be scripted? I mean, it can, you know, those kind of things, but just have a conversation. But I think it's because you lose the power of changing because the only time you can change anything is before it comes out of your mouth. Um, and, and here's the other thing I want to be very clear on. I do video. I, I think video adds another dimension, but you don't have to do video. So for example, if you call me and you say, you know what, I'm not comfortable to, for you to come on my show because the way you look, nobody wants to look at you. I would say you're right. Um, what, what do we do? All we can, all we do is we put up the StreamYard um, con Connect logo up, and they can right. still hear us. And it's basically an audio podcast that's live. So, you, so just because, don't be. If if the only reason you're not doing it is because you don't want to be on video, that's not a reason. Put up a logo, just talk. It nobody will care. So you can do this, and For the show continues. Yeah, and in fact. 90% of the value, 95% of the value, maybe close to 100% of the value in most live talk shows is in the audio messaging, not so much in the video. Yes, there's some graphics are helpful maybe in understanding something, but in general, people are here for the conversation and the interaction. Not my face. That is true. <laughs> Even as good looking as Mr. Trapp is, uh, they they are here for his insights and his his wisdom. Um, the other thing is, you know, you mentioned you don't have to edit. That's one of the things I love about live streaming is you you have your podcast or your repurposed content ready. You just have to cut up what goes where and and distribute yep. it. But if you were somebody who has a desire that the audio product you put out is cleaned up where there's no ahs and ums. I don't know why people need that. They're, you know, you watch TV news, you watch, you listen to talk radio there, there are ahs and ums and you knows I, I do it from time to time. Uh, you have, you have uh, people who, who use terrible grammar and all sorts of things and they're making a good buck being on, on camera or on radio. But that being said, I do understand people have set a certain standard for themselves. They can still do an imperfect live and then take that recording, separate out the MP3 and spend all day on it, making it as perfect as they want to make it using, using audio or video editing tools, using different plugins if they really want to tone their voice up, right? I mean, nothing stops you from still having your podcast audience get the same experience just because you recorded it live. Absolutely. And especially if your podcast has been running for a while and you do get a good number of listens or downloads, um, why not do that? But but I would actually challenge this assumption that you need to do some of those edits. I mean, there's been some edits on shows I've been on. They were necessary. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. um, somebody wasn't talking. They went to the bathroom it out i mean right but there's some things they don't need to be edited out anyways like think right. about the think about the, the the metrics too i'll give you an example um i did an amazon live the other day 
and the thing had 27,000 views. I mean, I have very few episodes, you know, maybe like uh, like under a handful, a couple, like a couple, three, four, something like that, that had that many downloads. Right. Um, if it was good enough for the people on Amazon, why, what do I, well, how can I improve that number by editing out five ums? Right, right. Okay, so you've sold us on recording your podcast live. I don't think I was a tough sell <laughs> on that. Are there certain <laughs> platforms or certain opportunities in recording live that you would say, here's where to get started? Maybe Amazon Live, maybe Facebook Live, maybe YouTube Live, maybe something totally different. Are, are there some platforms that you think are more, uh, you know, better, better set up for people who want to do that kind of podcast recording live? Well, so first of all, I, I would highly recommend to use a tool like StreamYard where you can just, this is not sponsored by any means, but right. you know, where you can actually stream to multiple channels. And that's, I'm a big, big fan of that. I've always been a big fan of that for podcasts because I go to 20 channels by doing one thing, you know? So same thing here, why you're not live streaming to um, a number of channels. Now, what, what are those channels? It kind of depends on what your brand is, where you've spent your time. So if you build a big Facebook audience, which I really don't have for my own brand per se on Facebook, you might you definitely want to stream to Facebook. If you have a huge Twitter audience, you probably want to stream to Twitter. And now, I don't know if you guys heard this, but the way I'm interpreting what Twitter released a little bit, so we'll see what happens. But Twitter is shutting down Periscope. And the way I read the announcement is that Twitter spaces might be integrated with Twitter Live. So you might be able to live stream to Twitter spaces, I think, potentially, that's how it could be interpreted. Right. We'll see how it, how it turns out. If you have a big audience on LinkedIn, stream to LinkedIn. If mm -hmm. you're whoever needs to do the show can be approved to be a LinkedIn live streamer, apply. It takes a while anyways. I've right. seen right. it's easier for company pages to be approved um, than people in general, generally speaking. Um, so, you know, get your company in the mix. Um, on Amazon, it's a very different ballgame. I was actually talking to somebody yesterday, Russ, and, and I said, oh, I only got like 100 followers on Amazon. And they go, oh, really? So why do we work together? Like, that's nothing. I'm like, it's not like Twitter. Like, nobody follows each other. And in fact, when I ask people to follow me, they all go, how do you follow somebody? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. You know, it's, it's um, people, Amazon highlights you. And that's how that's right. how people find your show. We're talking with Christoph Trapp. He's the author of the new book, Going Live. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us on StreamYard Connect. It's good to see so many friends here. Brigetti is here. Will Russell. Uh, Milton is here. Letitia Campbell is here. Dana Bance. Doug Kuzma. And let's see who else is here. Woody Collins. Good to see you. Uh, Mr. Darren Lowe. And let's see who's Stephen Kaplan, great to see you. Richard Clarkson, Braden, Von Hanks, um, Don L. Thank you all for being here. I know I'm not going to hit everybody, but I, I just, it's so great to be back last week and now this week and, and have you all here. So you're, you're, you decide you're going to take your podcast recording and you're going to do it live. What, if any changes, do you recommend making? during the live broadcast that you wouldn't things you might not do if you were just recording into a recorder. So I think the biggest thing is before I get into like the show flow a little bit, but 
is your mindset. So first of all, now I recommend that people schedule their live stream because you can actually get promotion and some marketing just by scheduling it because now it's out there in the feed. I think you do the same thing, right? You schedule right. the show and then it goes out on some channels. And I've seen um, the preview post on LinkedIn having hundreds and hundreds of views before you ever did anything. So it's definitely worth it. But once you announce when you're going live, even though you shouldn't count on everybody all of a sudden going, oh, it's 12.38, I should, you know, I got to go to a Christoph's show. Stuff can go wrong and will go wrong. So you kind of have to keep a cool mindset. And I know that's much easier said than done because I'm a, you know, I want to get it done. I want to do it. But you got to have that mindset. I did a show the other day. Nothing worked. I moved from here to there. That didn't work. That didn't work. Oh, my God. Now I couldn't hear the guests. How, like nothing worked and we finally just gave up and didn't do a live stream um you know and that's that's what we did um the other thing is when it comes to the production kind of what you did and you do it great russ like just basically talk with people hey thanks for joining when they have a comment put it up talk about the comment answer a question but you have to say the comment so if for example let's pick somebody here you know if somebody says uh, i don't know if we have any questions um this is a nice comment Yep. So, in, but see, we can just show it on the screen. But for the live show, what I would say is Bill, uh, Bill of Right Networks. Hello. We live, we love StreamYard for all my shows I produce. Bill, it's awesome. Bill of Rights Network, that's awesome to hear. Really appreciate you tuning in. And so you kind of mention it, or you can say they're tuning in on Facebook. So you right. have, so basically, you're doing a little bit of marketing on your podcast version as well. Exactly. Um, do you, uh, because people join in the live along the way, as mm -hmm. you can see here, I, I kind of reset every once in a while, tell people what we're talking about, who you are, your name of your book, the name of the show. Um, do you do that in a podcast recording and then cut it out? Do you do it in a podcast recording and leave it in? Or do you just flow with it as though you're doing the one-shot podcast and you don't worry about uh, kind of resetting for a podcast audience that's always going to start at second one and listen forward for the most part <laughs> so it's that's an interesting comment because so there's actually some podcasters that i've caught and they, they they do this right they run some segments twice because they they assume you did you missed it um and so i don't know if i would recommend that necessarily but so there's some value in that when i listen to a podcast you know i'm doing other things it's running in the background you know i might miss it and it's okay to repeat some things not right. all the time like you're on radio uh, the other thing is I don't usually reset too often, like on purpose. I usually do it on the live stream when somebody prompts me. So somebody might have a question and I, I say, okay, um, they just joined so-and-so. See what I mean? I tie it all together. Um, and then sometimes we repeat ourselves, you know, it's okay. Oh, hey, earlier you mentioned whatever. And I just thought of this story and, you know, here it is. So that's kind of how I do it. It's a little bit more... It's not a true reset, but it's it's very subtly built in. Well, here's an easy one. Uh, Murray Montgomery asks, is the book out now and where can we find it? You can find it on Amazon. There's links in the comments on Facebook and on YouTube. If you're watching on Twitter, just head over to Amazon, put Going Live, Christoph Trap into the search bar and you'll find it. Um, how long's the book been out and and what's been the response so far? 
So far, so good. It's currently, as of a few minutes ago, it is number four in the new releases for public hey. relations, uh, 45 overall. So that's going pretty well. Um, officially, today is the launch date. Um, but as you know, technology doesn't work that way, right, for us <laughs> small fish in a big pond. So it's been out for about a week. But um, but officially today um, is the official launch date. So it's now available. Yeah, I thought you had mentioned that to me. And then I went to Amazon to double check. And I saw February 27th. And I saw something else say March 3rd for one of the versions. And I said, well, okay, I won't say the launch. But it, then, so congratulations on your launch today. Um, Thank you. Uh, but you've been getting feedback, of course, as, as you go along. What, what would you say is something in the book that people wouldn't expect when they think about? either live streaming your podcast or just the value of live streaming in general? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've heard so far is people always think that, you know, everything is very high level or it's, you know, it doesn't go as deep. I mean, it, you hear conferences, they always want actionable steps. And I always laugh because, well, I can tell you how much, how you lose to lose weight and you still got to mm -hmm. do it yourself. Right. Um, and it really dives deep into how to do it specifically like this is how you do it and that's right. that's i've heard that a couple times now where people said i didn't realize it would go this deep and tell me literally which button to push and why something isn't working so i share everything i know <laughs> are you planning to do an audiobook so i'm not doing an audiobook per se but i do have a podcast version uh, it doesn't have all the episodes out yet but i'm going through the book and basically talk about each chapter now, if you choose to listen to the podcast version uh, of that, um, uh, the Going Live podcast, um, there's the end. Now, the other surprise, the book is currently 99 cents um, today. I just changed that for, for you guys, to the Kindle version, at mm -hmm. least, if you want to check that out. 99 pennies in the UK starting tomorrow. Oh, you can't beat that. Um, let's talk a little bit about storytelling. Your website's called Authentic Storytelling. You can find it at AuthenticStorytelling.net. You also take kind of a journalist's approach to branded content, content that focuses on marketing. It's not, uh, news journalism, but yet you bring that approach. Can you explain a little bit about authentic storytelling and how, the, the journalist approach factors into the content that you create? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you, so everything I do is really, you know, I'm trying to tell a story that matters, that, that gets people's attention. And I'll give you an example. I produced the Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show at Vox Pop Me, which is a marketing research platform. And um, basically what I do is very similar to what I used to do as a journalist, you know, 20 years ago. Um, Jen Vogel, she's the host. She interviews an expert on the show, kind of like what you're doing, what you and I are doing right now. And then I take the content, I turn the live stream into a podcast, and then I take the conversation and turn it into an article. Sometimes I use people from different episodes and I write a different article about a different topic. Mm -hmm. But really what I'm doing is I'm writing a news story <laughs> with sources. I mean, right. it's, it's not a news story, right? But it's, the concept is very similar. And what I found is it's much more informal. I'm not using like necessarily the third person I used to use as a reporter. Uh, you know, we use first names once they've been introduced, but it's a very journalistic storytelling style. And, you know, it's, it's very easy to read. Um, you know, you have the format works and it, it seems to work with the audience and, and, and people seem to enjoy it. And, 
um, you know, it's another way to, to be a journalistic storyteller. So that's interesting because most people, when they do a podcast, they have some type of blog post that goes with it. A lot of people will embed the video from a blog post onto uh, embed the video from a live stream into a blog post one way or the other. Uh, so my, my question is, what do you think makes for an effective blog text to accompany that broadcast, so to speak, that podcast or live stream? What, what do you think if you're going to somebody's episode and perhaps you're not going to watch the episode or listen yep. to it, or maybe you are, what do, what do you think people want to read? What do you want to read when you look at that blog post? Because some people will throw everything in the kitchen sink in, and then other people will literally say, I, it's episode whatever, enjoy. <laughs> right. Well, so the answer is it always depends. But how right. do you get the most out of your content? So first of all, here's how I approach my podcast production. Before I ever open my mouth, I see what are the topics that are somewhat unique. And I say somewhat because there's very little unique topics out there anymore. But then I do some keyword research. You know, what are we trying to hit? What are we trying? What are people asking for? I go to Google Question Up, see what people are searching for that hasn't been answered. So that's a fantastic tool. And then I start creating the show. And I'm not transcri I, I don't write a transcript, but I do have an outline. Here's what I want to talk about. Here's some of the starter questions. And then I have in mind what I want to get out of it for an article. Now, sometimes you have to remember, you don't necessarily use the content for just one article. You might use it other places. I was just talking um, to Heather over at True, uh, what is it again, um, the advertising podcast company. And I said, I've quoted you, Heather, like 12 times from one <laughs> podcast in 12 different articles, you know? And that's kind of um, that's kind of how that works. So think about what you're trying to accomplish. Are you trying to rank for SEO? The one thing I think that some companies truly honestly get wrong, they go to their writers and they say, I need some content on whatever. How in the world will that writer ever get any content? Like, what are they going to do? Google it? Like, they need right. to talk to the experts. So in this model, you have the live stream, you have the podcast, you have an expert on the show. That's where you get all the content, repackage it. Personally, I'm not a big fan of show notes. Um, I mean, I am on the podcast channels, but not on the website. I'm more a fan of writing an article and then inserting the um, the video in that. So you don't so much as each video that you do, you're going to have notes related to that video. You're going to write an article on a topic that that video could complement. <laughs> exactly. And so the topic is what guides it. The topic may does the topic always like do you always start with the keyword research and the topic before you even go live or does a lot of times you let the conversation kind of go where it goes based on your interaction with the expert yeah. and then you go back and you go okay what are some good keywords and how can we benefit from this conversation both so for example i like to i like to do some research first honestly for the most part but um, sometimes you forget about it or, um, and I always let the conversation go for the most part where it needs to go. So I'll give you an example. Marcus Sheridan was on the Business Storytelling Podcast and I said something and it just kind of like, he had a really strong, it, it was not even related to the topic, but he had a really strong opinion. So he just went, oh yeah, don't get me started on that. And, but <laughs> we did get started on it. 
And both of us were talking about that for three minutes. It was a really good conversation, but had nothing to do with what we advertised we were going to talk about. So um, always kind of, it's okay to go off on tangents and make it fun. Uh, but you do want to, you know, also get back to the topic right. because the other thing is, you know, now podcasts are indexed. Um, it's just a matter of time before live streams or if they aren't already. So even if you don't write an article, you do have a chance to rank. Yeah. And and you can rank different ways with a live stream. So the yeah. YouTube video can rank, but so right. can the blog post about that video and you know, obviously some of your main keywords and phrases and links and things are going to be the same in both. And that's, that's probably yeah. fine because one's a social network and one's a, a blog, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Absolutely. when you're, when you're writing your blog post, do you do, do you transcribe the, uh, the interview or do you just kind of have in mind, okay, I remember we talked about this around, eight minutes in and I'll just go find the quote and go with it. So what I do is when I do that, uh, uh, both. So I don't mm -hmm. transcribe a podcast anymore. Uh, ask me three years ago, I would have said every podcast episode should be transcribed. Um, I think maybe there's still the case to be made that it should be. Um, but I, I don't currently make that a priority, um, even though you can do it simpler with uh, certain technology tools. Um, but yeah, I just listen to it again. You know, I catch, I, ca I catch certain things. I use them sometimes if I remember something and, you know, I want to use it, I'll give you an example. I'm probably going to do a live stream on the new duplicate feature in WordPress. So you can now duplicate a, a, a post that's already published and save it as a draft. So you can update it while it's a mm -hmm. draft. You don't have to mess with the published version. And I think that's a really good live stream depending how deep I go into the concept, it might also make a good podcast version. Um, but I don't think I need to write a new article on that topic mm -hmm. because I already have like a 20 minute right. article on writing in WordPress. So I'm probably just going to take that video, probably not the podcast, the video, put it in the article, write three paragraphs uh, roughly. So I don't always have to quote people like as a quote, you can paraphrase too. You know, that's another journalistic thing. So-and-so right. said whatever. Um, it doesn't have to be an exact quote plus the exact quotes. I mean, look at us. We're, I mean, I'm rambling and going on and going on. <laughs> like you don't like, you don't need to quote my whole, the whole, every word I said to get my point across. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, some people do the transcript in place of either notes or an article. <clears throat> they basically have the bare bones and then they either put the transcript where the blog post would go or they put it where, you know, there's like an accordion menu and you can click on it and it shows. Yep. But either way, it's in the page. What do you think the SEO value of doing that? Do you think that is something <laughs> that Google will go, OK, this is a substantive uh, article or will Google go? This is a silly conversation and I'm not sure where it's going, where it's all going. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I think three years ago that was essential to have that for SEO value. And it's probably there's probably still value to do it. Um, you always have to consider how much time goes into it, right? I'll give you an, right. I'll give you an example. Like we're doing this live stream and I know we prepared for it, you prepared for it with slides and, and whatnot, you know, but it takes probably lots less time to do a live stream than it takes to, to do a, an article. So you need to think about how much time do you put in it and what's the, the return? You know, so if I can do a live stream and it has 27,000 viewers, 
like that's a really good return on my effort. You know, um, if I do an article that takes me four hours and I got 50 viewers in B2B, that's still a pretty good return on effort, by the right. way. I know it doesn't feel like it, but it is. Um, but if I have 10 or eight, maybe not so much, or maybe it still takes a while. So you have to kind of weigh the different things. So I'm a, that's, this is why I love the live streaming, the podcast, the article concept, because it is about as efficient as you can get. Right, right. Now, a lot of companies are starting to do internal podcasts. They're using podcasting for everything from training and development to uh, employee engagement to sort of a news source of what's going on, onboarding, all sorts of different ways to keep their employees informed and develop them. Uh, have you worked with any any internal podcasts or been on any internal podcasts or have any thoughts as far as how that's going and what might be similar or different about the way you would go about podcasting in an enterprise situation? Yeah. And so I know that's a that's actually an up and coming topic. And uh, there's companies now that actually that's all they do. Um, there's actually a Hall of Fame podcaster who, who talks about that quite often. I remember his name now. But um, the biggest thing is you have to make sure your employees can actually listen. I'll give you an example. I was talking to a bank CEO who said, oh, yeah, we're doing this podcast now. And I'm like, oh, awesome. How's it going? And he said, well, I think it's going. But I walked down to talk to some tellers in one of the branches. And I, I was in a meeting there. And I said, hey, what did you think of my podcast? And they said, huh? we can't listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so you have to remember, where are your employees? What are they doing? How, you know, how can they listen to it? Maybe the written word is better for a teller. Um, so I, I know that's hard to sometimes keep track of all those things. But, you know, I, I'm a big fan. And the other reason is um, if you do it well, you can bring some humanness from the CEO mm -hmm. to the company. Now, if you're a jerk, it's going to be a little harder. But think about <laughs> us, right? right? I mean, this is a, what our show or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to fake your humanness, right. your niceness when you're talking for an hour. Um, so, it, you know, people can, you know, you build connections differently. Right, right. I, I guess it's probably in the beginning difficult motivating a lot of CEOs that this is a time well spent, that this isn't going <coughs> to hurt their brand, which in traditionally has sometimes been elevated by not sharing too much and not being right. too available and too open. Um, but I mean, I, again, it's kind of a new thing. And whenever there's a new thing, people see the, the sunshine and not the, the negatives a lot of times. But I mean, from people I've talked to who've seen it in action, they've, they've all kind of said that this is a really positive thing and you're delivering content to your, your internal customers, your employees on the platforms that they go to anyway, on, in a way that they're used to consuming things in their headphones, on a train, on demand, when they need it. Um, yep. An interesting point you brought up a few times is about the difference with B2B content. Can you talk a little bit about how you prepare something when you're in a B2B mindset versus a B2C mindset? Yeah, and, and I'm sorry I have to throw the cliche at you, but they're all people we're trying to reach. Right. The only difference is that, you know, I get a hat every every week in the mail. <laughs> and at some point, my wife says, how many more hats do you need? You only got one hat to put it on. So but so I'm only they're only selling to me right in B2C. 
sometimes my wife or others who have input. Right. But in B2B, you always have a buying committee. So you have to convince more people than just one person. Usually, that's usually the biggest hurdle. And then the next hurdle that companies face is we're still too stiff. Don't be so stiff. Like, right. why do you have to be so stiff? Just like be human, you know, share your content, be like, write it in a way that's exciting. And I think that's where a lot of B2B companies fail because it's just, it's it's not very engaging, you know? Um, and, and that's the biggest thing. Now, numbers in B2B, success numbers in content are lower just because there's fewer people you're trying to reach, right? So B2C is really everybody, everybody in that area. So if you don't like Washington, you're not going to buy a Washington hat, but you might buy a Detroit Lions hat or whatever. Right, right. So, um, you know, so that's the biggest thing. It's a different number. And, and I think especially some executives, they get in their head these million views for some video of something, you know, and <laughs> but nobody's going to watch a, a Nobody is going to, my book is not going to have a million uh, purchases because, I mean, is there even enough people out there? I mean, that's like virtually every podcast now, right? There's what, like 1.8 million podcasts? That's like half a podcasters would be, go for it, guys, do it. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but you got you to gotta be realistic, right? So your audience right. is not everybody. It's a certain segment of the population. Well, and and, and with, with, with B2B, you're looking at the... <laughs> the volume of the purchase from one person versus trying to sell more widgets than Walmart. You're trying to get, you know, a big, big purchase. And so reaching the, the 30 people or the 20 people or even the five people for whom your, your product or service is ideal and they represent a very big company. I, I mean, the difference that that can make for a business is everything, right? Right. Exactly. Yep. So we're talking with Christoph Trapp. It's uh, just been a, a phenomenally interesting conversation. You, you've been on so many different aspects of marketing. I couldn't just stay to the book, but that's okay because the book has officially launched today. It's available on Amazon. There are links in the description on Facebook and YouTube. It's called Going Live, live stream your podcast to reach more people. And of course, you can also find Christoph's website, AuthenticStorytelling.net, AuthenticStorytelling.net, and of course his podcast, which has won a ton of awards, have been recognized in a ton of top lists. Most recently, it's uh, on the list of 50 podcasts from Think Thinker 360 thought leaders to listen to in 2021. It's a mouthful, but it's a great list of podcasts. And congratulations for being on that. Congratulations you. for, uh, you know, everything you've done, been doing over the years. And in particular, the new book. It, it's great to have you on StreamYard Connect. And thanks for spending some time with us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Always nice to touch base with you. Awesome. Great talking to you. That is Christoph Trapp. Again, the podcast is Business Storytelling Podcast. But you want to check out the book going live live stream your podcast to reach more people this is Streamyard connect i'm ross brand we haven't done a remix in a while but last week we had three outstanding panelists on talking about introverts and social media and let's look back at a couple of clips first let's start with hmm 
Let's start with Matthew Pollard talking about the pros and cons of the new Clubhouse app. What do you make of Clubhouse and what is your advice, I guess, or your experience been in terms of where it fits in into your overall day and productivity and all those kind of things? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think this always comes down to strategy first. See, what I find is people are always looking for that fun new tactic that's going to be the silver bullet to success. And what that means is that as soon as something happens, everyone's jumping on. But of course, by the time some people jump on, it's too late anyway. Clubhouse is a platform that allows you to foster relationships. If all you do is speak on that platform and you don't migrate them to other places where you share great content, it's a lost opportunity. Same as I saw one of the comments say, you don't comment on the post that people are are, are corresponding with you in, that's a lost opportunity. So for me, firstly, I mean, I've been on a few clubhouses. I've been invited to to be one of the, the moderator speakers, if you like, on a few clubhouses. And I have explored the platforms. The things I will tell you, very similar to these live streams, is they are time intensive and therefore I do them less and less. And the other thing I will say is at least this live stream, I can grab the video of it and start sharing it in other places. So I can reappropriate the video and therefore it has a higher significance and a higher value for me. That said, there is benefit to being on Clubhouse, but because of the time significance, I mean, it helps that we don't have to be on video, right? I find audio (laughs) takes far less energy than feeling like I've got to do these things with my hands and move around and be engaging. So Clubhouse does have those advantages, but because it requires me to physically be there, I'm doing them few and far between. That's not to say it won't work for you, but again, make sure the strategy is behind it, that you're not just being involved because you're involved in the hype, because eventually that hype will dissipate and you'll just be stuck with another job. That's Matthew Pollard. He's the author of The Introvert's Edge. He's also going to be hosting and speaking at the Quietly Influential Summit. Another panelist was Valerie Morris of Tentero Creative, and she talked about the difference between foundational content and engaging on social media. The most important thing about having systems is it's really helpful whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Because the way I approach things is, you know, with a content calendar and with kind of a basic framework of when we're posting, how often we're talking about certain things, that becomes the foundational content to a social media strategy. And then you can be as extroverted or introverted as you want, kind of as the cherry on top. But if you've got your foundational stuff going out on LinkedIn and Facebook and on your blog and on your podcast, you can kind of dive in as much as you as you want on these other things that require more of the real time live engagement. And I think that takes the pressure off people, especially when you're coming at it from a business and, you know, branding perspective. It's relevant for introverts or for extroverts. But I think us introverts um, can kind of appreciate that a a little bit more. (laughs) <laughs> that is Valerie Morris of Tentero Creative. And Nancy Ankowitz is the author of Self-Promotion for Introverts. She'll also be speaking at the Quietly Influential Summit. And she's been a guest on uh, a variety of different shows that I've done. I've spoken to her class at NYU as well. And she has a way of just getting to the heart of the matter. We talked about what's essential in a professional bio, such as what you put in the about section on LinkedIn. Tell us a little bit about some of the, you know, key points of putting a good professional bio together. 
Here's the skinny on bios. It all, and echoing a little bit of what all of you have said, Valerie, Matthew, Ross, there's always some customization involved and it depends. So here goes. It always starts with your audience first, period, full stop. I can almost finish talking. So what do they, what do they want that you have? Again, period, full stop. And then make a list, come up with some keywords. Let's say five keywords, 10 keywords max. And when I work with my clients, we do that. And in an exercise where we roll up our sleeves, it takes one hour to come up with a fantastic bio that's targeting our audience. And you just, it almost writes itself when you have those keywords. So it's all about them. So all those, whatever you have awards and books and articles and podcasts and all that stuff, it's, it's fine as long as they care. If they don't care, <laughs> so, who said kill your darlings? Right. It's make it audience centric. And as an introvert, you can do that particularly well because you tend to have the patience, the focus, and the, the attention to detail to do that research and zone, hone in on that audience. That's great advice for writing your bio, your LinkedIn, and your professional bio. I'm going to try that technique, in fact, uh, as I revise my own next time. And don't forget, you can see many of those great speakers, including Matthew Pollard and Nancy Ankowitz, at the Quietly Influential Summit coming up March 15th to March 19th. I'll be speaking as well. And you can get a ticket for free by going to LivestreamUniverse.com slash introvert2021, LivestreamUniverse.com slash introvert2021. And Nancy Ankowitz also contributed one of 77 people who were a part of the Livestream Universe predictions. You can check that out at LivestreamUniverse.com. And, of course, we have a full lineup of shows now on StreamYard. We have, of course, Sunday nights, the Town Hall with Gage and Dan. That's Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Monday, Julie Riley hosts Livestream Impact. That's at 2 p.m. Eastern. On Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, StreamYard Tech Talk with Daniel Glickman. Of course, then you come back here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for StreamYard Connect, Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, StreamYard Spotlight with Dana Bentz and Kelsey Bentz. Friday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, it's Coffee with the Ducks. That's Dana Bentz and her co-host, uh, whose name escapes me. Uh, that is Friday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Friday at noon, it's Learn with StreamYard, Christian Karasevich and Julie Riley. And then on Saturday at noon... Christian Karasevich hosts live stream reviews. And, of course, we've got a great group of StreamYard creators, Nick Nimmin, Dean Nimmin, Daniel Battelle, Roberto Blake, and Think Media slash Sean Cannell are all outstanding YouTubers who provide content on the StreamYard YouTube channel as well as on their own platforms. And Nick Nimmin does a monthly live stream. I believe it's still the last Tuesday of every month at 10 a.m. Eastern, and D and Daniel do a show together as well. Look for that on the StreamYard uh, YouTube channel. And with that, 
we'll just say thank you again for being here. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it, it was a great conversation with Christoph Trapp about the reasons you should consider live streaming your podcast. We also got into branded content and storytelling and a lot of other topics. So if you didn't get a chance to hear it all, it's worth going back. And of course, you can check out his book, uh, Christoph Trapp's book, Going Live uh, with links in the description on Facebook and on YouTube. 